You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Sorry for the delay. I was worshiping. Man, what a song. What a reminder. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. And what a way to start the morning. And uh, it's truly a blessing to be with you today. I want to welcome my special guest this morning, Virgil Fripp. He's a dear friend of mine, and he's probably working right now, but uh, he's listening in this morning. And and you'll be excited to know that uh, sometime in the future he'll be teaching as well, and he'll bring you a, a solid message that will encourage you. He's a great brother in the Lord, and uh, we're certainly glad to have him this morning. And so we want to welcome you, Virgil. Uh, well, welcome each one of you. It's always a privilege to have you. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to especially welcome you. And those who are returning, thank you for your cons- consistent support and uh, being here and uh, being a part of what God's doing. And each week we get to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that today is the same thing, that we, in the midst of a chaotic and confused world, we can certainly uh, use the opportunities that God has given us and blessed us with to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ Many may wonder if you're just joining the channel and maybe you noticed you couldn't post anything. Well, we're not a channel who stays open all the time. And the reason we do that, for those that are new, is we want to be an aircraft carrier. We don't want to be a cruise ship. We don't want to be a platform where you can just come and settle in and post and preach to the choir. No, we want to train you and equip you as saints for the work of the ministry, send you out into the highways and byways and equip you for gospel ministry. If Jesus is going to burst through those clouds, which I'm certain he will at some point in history, uh, it will not take place until all have heard the gospel. And so we have a, a job to do, and that is to go into the highways and byways and share the hope of Jesus Christ. And so we are we're glad that you are here and glad you're a part. And I see that Jaron Jackson joined us as well. Welcome, brother. It's always good to have you as well. So, well, listen, we're going to start and jump into a new series uh, on the book of Jonah. And uh, why Jonah? Well, I love Jonah, and I think uh, we all have a little Jonah in us, and we want the enemy to get what they deserve rather than what God wants, and that's repentance. Even your worst enemy needs Jesus because your worst enemy you would never want to truly see them step into eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And so my desire, my hope is that over the next several weeks on Thursdays, we work through Jonah and, uh, and I pray that uh, you will be blessed by it. It's a series that has been a blessing to me in the past. And I like to stay refreshed on books of the Bible. We teach through books of the Bible, book by book, verse by verse. I don't get to skip anything. I don't get to skip the hard stuff. I get to preach the hard stuff. And so I pray you'll be blessed with our time this morning. Let's go uh, maybe to the Lord in prayer, and, and we'll jump right in. Father God, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your provision, and for the opportunity we have to gather today in this place. Uh, though it's via audio, God, you have allowed us to be together, maybe not in person, but afar. And what a blessing that is, and the technology that you've blessed us with in 2021. And God, thank you for allowing us this platform to encourage one another and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And may you use this time today as a tool that would glorify your name, that would honor you. And so, God, I just ask for our time together. Lord, help me to see and understand and to teach your truth with accuracy and boldness for your glory. God, I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, today we're going to be looking into a man by the name Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God, and that he was called or commissioned to do something for the Lord with a specific task. 
There's not much in the Bible about Jonah, but boy, we can sure learn a lot from this book, which includes four chapters. And if you are taking notes, I would encourage you to write down this structure. It's really Jonah can be divided into two sections. First, Jonah, we see flees from his mission. And then secondly, that is chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 10. And then chapter 3 and chapter 4, Jonah fulfills his mission. And that's a simple little outline, but can be very helpful. Without overwhelming you with four chapters, I simply want to take a few verses at a time and really dive in, really look into what God is communicating through the life of this man, Jonah. We see another breakdown of events take place within this book that's a little bit more in-depth and detailed for those that want a bit more depth in their understanding and layout of the book. So I will post those four structure layouts that I think you'll find as a helpful tool. Number one, in Jonah 1, 1 to 3, we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. In number two, Chapter 1, verse 4 to chapter 1, verse 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter uh, 2, verse 1 to 10, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then in chapter 3 and 4, we see Jonah back on dry land again obeying God. I would like to first look at the division here. Number one, Jonah on dry land disobeying God. That's what we're going to look at today, verses 1 to 3. This book is really uh, tied together in a whole, as it were, really hard to speak about the first part without going into detail of the other parts. But I really want to try to pull it together, everything within its context here, and not just blow right through it, the whole book. And so let's dive into just this small portion today. Verses 1 to 3, and I'll read, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the Amatite, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, this great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose and up and to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Really, three things I want us to take from the text today, three simple truths that I think you will uh, find helpful, and uh, that is, number one, we must prepare to receive God's Word. Number two, we must prepare to listen to God's Word. And number three, we must prepare to obey God's Word. First of all, uh, we don't know a lot about Jonah. He's not smoked, spoken of much throughout the Bible, but uh, we do hear his name mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. We hear Christ, our Savior, speak of him a few different times as he compared and contrasted his ministry with the ministry of Jonah in Matthew 12, 38 to 45, and also in Luke 11, 24 to 32. Jesus was asked to give them a sign, and he said that he would be three days and three nights in the earth and compared that to Jonah's stay within the belly of the fish. Hopefully, that when we finish up this passage, we will have a better understanding of Jonah and how God is using him to bring about his plan. But first, we must prepare ourselves to receive God's Word. He says in verse 1, the Word of Yahweh, the Word of the Lord, came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. As we look here at this first uh, passage of Scripture, this first verse, I want us to see and understand how it was that God spoke to Jonah. The Word came to him, and there is great truth in that in how God spoke. 
we looked at that Sunday and the fact that God not only spoke verbally uh, in the Old Testament, but he also spoke visibly, sovereignly, and aggressively. And here we find that same idea. Throughout the Bible, we hear of the importance of the Word of God, the words that are written in the pages of this book we call the Bible. And when we read passages all the time that remind us what's in the Bible, when we look at passages like 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, all Scripture is inspired by God, that means God breathed literally the very voice of God and profitable for what teaching for approve, for correction and training in righteousness, so that the man, the woman of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good works. So yes, he spoke in the Old Testament. And in Hebrews chapter 1, we learn that as he spoke in the Old Testament, today he speaks namely through his Son, which we know is the Word of God. And thus, when we want to hear from God, we no longer need to seek for prophets and apostles, but we need to dive into the very literal Word of God. He has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. And so, yes, while God spoke differently to those in the Old Testament than He speaks today, the idea I want you to see is that God still speaks. And we must be ready, my friends, to receive it. The expression, the word of the Lord came, does not uh, open another biblical book. It is found many times in opening sections of larger books. For example, we see in 1 Samuel 15.10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, 1 Kings 6.11, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, and in Jeremiah we see the opening in chapter 1, verse 4, then now the word of the Lord came to me, saying. The point I'm trying to make is that this was God's way of communicating to them. The word of the Lord came to them. And today we still have God's Word, but it comes to us in a different fashion. It comes through His written revelation. Be weary of men and women who come to you with a message from God. Every message from God must be compared to the Word of God, and anything that is contrary to the Word of God is not the Word of God, it's the Word of the devil. Everybody wants to hear from God, but nobody wants to read His Word. We need to be students of His Word. Because that's why we teach that there is a such thing as plenary inspiration. It is fully God-breathed and trustworthy because it is the absolute authoritative Word of God. If somebody is speaking for God and on behalf of God, that makes them a prophet, and thus their words are as equal to that of the Bible. And we know that's not the case because the canon of Scripture is closed. If we want to hear from God, we need to open our Bibles. He need not say anything outside of what is written to us through His Word. He has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. question is, are you ready to receive His Word? Are you ready to obey what has been written and revealed through His written revelation? Not this new revelation, this apostolic ministry of today, this word of faith movement, this Eastern mysticism that has dripped into our communities and into our churches and onto our platforms. It's nauseating. God is revealing it time and time again through prayers like General Flynn. That was a, that was a, a demonic prayer. And if you are not aware of that, and you can't see that, that concerns me for your spiritual walk, because you should have eyes to see and discerning hearts to see and understand how he obliterated what the command of the Word of God is, and that is that your access to the Father is through the Son. Jonah was a man who was prepared to 
receive God's word. Jeremiah was a man who was prepared to receive God's word. Solomon it was as many others were. And the question is, we have to apply that to our own lives. Are we prepared to receive God's word? If the last time you read your Bible was the last Sunday you went to church, you are malnourished. You are starving to yourself to death. And if there is no hunger and no passion for the things of God in your life, then you ought to be questioning whether you're truly born again, because the Bible says, He who began a good work and you will see it to completion. He will not fail you, and you will have those desires to repent of your sin, to turn to God, and you will yearn after the Word of God like the milk of a mother for a child. If God speaks to us through His divine Word, the Bible, then that must mean we read the Bible and be prepared to receive what it is that He tells us through His Bible. I know there are many that are driven by different emotional events, but listen, God speaks to us through His Word. It's not about how you feel. It's not about what your heart tells you. Listen, your heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can trust it, the Scripture says. We need His Word, my friend. We need no new revelation outside of what He has given us in His full and complete and sufficient revelation. So here, Jonah is, is the perfect picture of someone ready to receive God's Word. Does that mean he handles it well? Well, if you apply that to your life, I would I would be curious to assume that maybe you haven't always handled that well. When you've opened your Bible and God has pointed out sin in your life or has directed you into a left turn or a right turn, and now you come to a crosswords and you have to make a decision, you don't always handle that well. doesn't seem that Jonah handled it well, but it does seem that he was ready because the Word came to him. Jesus understood this. He understood it was so much that he quoted, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's important. The Bible is more valuable than food because without food you will die physically, but without the Word of God you will die spiritually. And as we spoke last week, what shall it profit a man? He gained the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. The Word of God is vital. We need to make sure that we are prepared to receive it, and that means we must read it, memorize it, meditate on it, look at it day and night. When you lie down and when you get up in your teaching and in your preaching and in your gospel conversation, turning every conversation to gospel conversation, it's the tool we need to defend why we believe what we believe. I met a man in a mower shop one time, and he said that uh, he sent his, um, he wanted to send his kids to the church in the school that I uh, pastored. And uh, I said to him, you should. Why? Because we are pro-God, we are procreation, that the Word of God is preached. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, and he will, he will be like a man firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season, and its leaves do not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. Don't you want your children to have a godly education? But that's why we homeschool our children. I would never send my kids to Caesar's palace, because they'll turn out like Romans. Got to be really careful. Teach your children the Word of God. They need it. It's the tool for which God speaks to His people. 
You can't expect to put a child among people whom are opposed to God and wish them luck. No, blessed is the man who does not progressively become involved with the wicked. He doesn't stand. He doesn't walk. He doesn't stand. He doesn't sit. You see that progression. He starts out by walking. Next thing you know, he's standing. Before you know it, you've lost him, and now he's sitting in the path of sinners. It's, we, ought to be, we ought to be nauseated, tired of watching the youth of this nation walk away from God, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. You think sending your kids to a youth group on a Sunday is going to fix your problems, you're sadly mistaken. God has not advocated the church, your responsibility. Your responsibility as a mother and as a father is to raise your children in a godly home, to pour into them, to invest into them the very word of God. But many times it is our faults as moms and dads because we, on the altar of material blessings, we sacrifice our children to the God of Beal. We put them in a den of snakes and wonder why they got bite. But the word is my stance. The word God. Listen, we are living in a great time in which you and myself, as believers and followers of Christ, can encourage parents to take the opportunity to homeschool their children. Well, I can't afford it. Well, you need to sell your house and get a smaller one. I can't afford it. You need to sell your vehicle. You need to get rid of whatever it is you need to do. When I and my wife got married, we agreed we will homeschool our children. And when we have a child, you will stay home with that child. That is what God has called you to do is raise godly children. My wife made more money than I made. When we had our first child, we lost over $60,000, $60,000 a year overnight. But we had to prepare. We had to make choices and sacrifices. And we've never looked back and said, boy, we've really messed up our kids. Listen, I'd rather my kids make a C average and understand who God is than to make an A student who has no clue and now is anti-God, because that's what he's been indoctrinated with. That's what she's been indoctrinated with. And they are impulsing these things into your children, my friends, that they have no business. Sex education among kindergartners? Are you kidding me? God speaks to us through his word. His word is important, and we need to invest that word into our children, into every element of our life. It doesn't just start with us or stop with us. It starts with us and bleeds down into our children. He teaches us through his word, not some emotional experience, not some bird tweeting or some deer out in the field or some vibration or some connectivity of numbers and threes and sevens and 21s. And, oh, you just got to be really good in math and you can be super spiritual. God's word teaches us. It leads us. It guides us. It challenges us. But if you are not in the word of God, then you cannot be taught the word of God. You cannot be led by the word of God. You cannot be challenged by the word of God. And the spirit doesn't work outside of the will of God through without his word. The reality is, is God wants you to be prepared to receive his word. And there are stages in life when you truly need to be, which you always need to be, but there are seasons of life when you're having to make tough decisions. Boy, you need the Word of God to guide you and direct you. I remember when me and my wife decided to serve with an organization called Village Missions, and we were on the East Coast, and we submitted to their authority, and they said, we'll place you wherever we feel you fit. And we said, yes, we'll gladly submit to that because we submitted to the leadership that God had placed over us, and they planted us in the mountains of Montana, in a little community called Sealy Lake, Montana. I had plans, my friends. 
and City Lake was not in my plans. The mountains of Montana was not even in the, the figment of my imagination. But through the preaching of His Word, through the reading of His Word, being prepared to receive His Word, God delivered to us what it was we were to do. We heard and we responded. So let me ask you a question. Are you making yourself available to God? Man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his step. Are you making yourself available to God so that you can receive God's word and his direction for your life, for your family's life, for your children's life? It's important that we prepare ourselves to receive God's word. But secondly, I want you to understand we must prepare to listen to God's word. It's one thing to receive. It's another thing to listen. He says in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah, he listens to what God has to say. He was ready to receive, prepared to listen, and now God is speaking to him. Arise and go. This is the same thing in Jeremiah 18. Arise, go to the potter's house. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's not a choice, not an option. Go. And when God says go, by golly, you better go. <laughs> it's the verb form that expresses this command of not only go, but go quickly. You could say get at once to that great city called Nineveh. God is speaking to Jonah loud and clear, and he is expecting him to do exactly what he says right away. He says go to Nineveh. What is it that God has called you to lately? Every single one of us is different. Each person is different. God is moving in the power of the Spirit differently in each one of our lives. Where is He calling you to today? What is He calling you to do today? For some of you, that's to make a decision to go here or go there. For some of you, that's a decision to, to take your kids out of public school and begin the process of homeschooling them. For some of you, that's to, to do a medical choice or not a medical choice. For some of you, that's should I give this money to this ministry or that ministry. For some of you, it's where should I serve the Lord Jesus Christ in this church or that church? What is it, God, that you're wanting me to do? Do you want me to get this car or that car? Do you want me to sell this place and buy this place? What is it? Where is it you want me to be for your glory? In each one of his person, what is it that God is speaking to you today through his word? Jonah is in Nineveh. What in the world is Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the capital city of the kingdom of Assyria. It's first mentioned in Genesis 10, 11, and is known to be founded by Nimrod. Now, that's funny, Nimrod. My dad used to, when I was a kid, tell me that I was a Nimrod <clears throat> um, when I did something wrong, interestingly enough. Uh, but nevertheless, Nimrod was uh, uh, located, um, sorry, Nineveh was located on the Tigris River. But what I find interesting about Nineveh is that it is filled with Gentile, pagan people that are destructive. They are evil because the people had become so wicked that God issued a special call of localized judgment upon them. God says he'll never flood the earth and have a mass destruction like that again. But that is no promise there won't be a localized judgment, that he won't pour out his wrath and justice on America, on Nineveh, on any central location. Jonah, he says, I want you to go and preach against it. Gee, thanks, Lord. Just what I want to do. They were well known in the ancient world, these people for their brutality, for their cruelty. They had become accustomed to tearing the lips off of people and their hands, and Tegloff Plesser filleted their victims alive and made great piles with their skulls. Jonah's lack of enthusiasm to travel to Nineveh as God has instructed him may have been due to this infamous violence. Just where I want to go, minister, Lord, 
to somebody who may flay me. But regardless of what lies ahead, the question we must ask is, was Jonah ready? And more specifically, are you ready for what God might call you to? For some of you, it's singleness. Some of you, it's missions. Some of you, it's college, work. For married couples, it could be uh, that you need to work out your marriage, that you need to forgive one another. Maybe it's uh, in regards to raising your children. Maybe for some, it's adopting or offering a child up for adoption. I don't know where you are. Men, sometimes it's hard to lead your wives. Sometimes wives need to let their husbands lead because that's the job God's given them. And sometimes, men, you lead with an iron fist because of the fall. And when you ought to be leading with love and compassion and loving your wife as Christ loved the church self-sacrificially, he may not be a great leader, but that's his design, not yours. Let him lead, and God will deal with him. Jonah wasn't feeling the love here. He, he really didn't want to, to work with these people. And while the text doesn't tell us why he didn't want to work for the people, why he didn't want to go down there and, and do what God had called him to do, there's sure proof by his action. You know, God's words or instructions can be hard for us to handle. It may be tough for us to swallow. It may be even hard to accept. But when God's Word says what it says, and God speaks to us through His living and active Word, through the power of the Spirit, through the, the working of the Word, through the will of God for our lives, for that which He has called us to through His living and active Word, we are expected to listen to what He has said. God didn't give us His Word to try to do things our own way but to follow the direction he has given, even when it's truly hard to accept. The question is, are we listening? Are we applying ourselves to hear God's Word by reading God's Word, by studying God's Word? Are we looking for an opportunity to hear what it is that God wants for our lives and the direction he wants for our families, our churches, our ministries, our children? We can't do it for each other. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I can't teach you what God wants to reveal to you through His Word. Only you can be taught what it is God wants for your life. Now, there are certain elements and truth in Scripture that we all are called to, fashion to, and be called to. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those specific directions. Do I turn right or do I turn left? I can't tell you what God wants you to do. That's between you and God. I like the thought here in the later part of the verse when it says, For their wickedness had come up before me. God sees what's happening from heaven. The evil that these people are doing doesn't slip past a, a, a God that knows all things. Doesn't slide by. No, the reality is, is that God sees all things. God knows all things. And God is everywhere. You can't hide from Him. You can't run from Him. The reality is, is He is omnipresent. Not only is he omnipresent, he's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what you said to your wife or your husband this morning. He knows that phone call you've made to that other woman or that man that you're flirting with. He knows what you was in your mind and you lusted after those the the, the material things of your neighbor, your your neighbor's wife, or whatever the case may be. He he sees it all. He is involved in the daily affairs of your life. Yes, he is absolutely transcendent, but he is also intimate. He knows every hair, the number of hair or the lack thereof on your head. 
And if he knows the birds and the sparrows and not one falls to the ground without his knowing, how much more valuable are you than they, he says in his word. He knows you. He cares for you. He is involved in your life. We should believe that God is as real as our parents. Listen, when you are involved in adultery, God's right there. When you are involved in lust, God is right there. When you are involved in greed, God knows it. When you step away uh, from godly attitudes and godly hearts into a heart of flesh, God is there. When you start listening to God, the God of the universe speaks to you, and you can't deny His Word. We must prepare to receive God's Word. We must prepare to listen. But it's time to buckle up our bootstraps. Because not only should we receive it, should we listen, we must be prepared to obey God's Word, to receive and to listen. Yeah, that's okay. But to follow through with it, that's the killer. He says here in verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which goes was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jonah received, Jonah listened, but Jonah missed the mark. But that connection word throws everything off. It creates a contrast. This is what God wanted, but this is what Jonah did. And too many times in our lives, this is what God wants for our life, but our butt gets in the way. But we did this. It's such a little word that brings great structure to the verse. Jonah receives the Word of God. He listened to the Word of God. But it's like when you ask your kids, did you clean your room like I asked you to, son and daughter? Yes, sir, but you know there's something coming. You know there's something about to follow that you weren't looking for, and that's what's happened here. God said, do something, but Jonah missed it. Has God ever led you to do something? You heard him. You had great intentions, but God said, don't go over to that man's house. Don't go over to that woman's place. Don't, don't you connect with her. Don't you text her. Don't you accept her friend request. Don't you, don't you respond to that direct message to that half-naked woman. But you do it anyways. And now you're sitting there wondering, how in the world am I going to deal with this affair? How in the world am I going to deal with this situation that I've created? Listen, I get phone calls all the time. Pastor. I made a big mistake. It started out innocent, just a direct message. And now I'm in a full out affair. Listen, God speaks. And when he does, it requires us to move. Jonah gets up just like he was told, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This is a chiastic structure in the text. This type of structure is, is something that's commonly seen in the ancient literature to emphasize, to parallel, or to contrast concepts or ideas. It, 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 for, the, for the one who understands the structure of the original language, it, it brightens this text. We are right in the middle uh, of a problem, you see. Right in the middle of this structure, A, B, B, A, we see the problem. And the text tells us that he found a ship which was going to Tarshish. The first problem is he fleed. You only flee when you're running away from something. That's kind of the idea of which that word drives. Now, if he'd have fled where he was supposed to go, that wouldn't have been a problem. But he flees to another place, Tarshish. That's his problem. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah's headed to Joppa. Joppa ain't nowhere close to Nineveh. He can't even act like, you know, Lord, I think I got on the wrong ship. No, 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 no. Dude, you're going the opposite direction. He can't even pretend to be trying to go there. 
what we see is really a runaway Christian running away from what God has instructed him. Now, I don't think God puts this passage on my heart this week for no reason at all. We are in a time and in a day when we are all going through a lot. We are all challenged not to be hateful to one another. We are challenged to, do we submit to this tyranny in our government? Or do, what can we submit to that's not against the Word of God? But do we take this shot or do we not take this shot? We are in the midst of, of, of great pressures coming from every direction. But I want to encourage you today. Stand on what God says. And while it may not make sense, I promise you it's best. He knows what's best. And that should give us comfort. Don't be a runaway Christian. The last thing we need today is Christians shying away from truth. Because if you are not aware, the enemy ain't shying away from false error. No, they're standing up for their error boldly. They're doing it so much they're infiltrating the church, and now we have homosexuals in the pulpit preaching? Are you kidding me? And we're just going to sit around and go, well, you know, it's okay. No, 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 no. We need to call sin, sin, my friends. We need to stand on what God's Word says, and I don't care what nobody thinks. Because when I die and I stand before God, them people ain't going to be there with me. So we're going to call sin, sin. We're going to love the people, but we ain't going to shy away from what's evil and call it good so that you'll be a subscriber on my channel. I don't care if you subscribe. What I want you to do is be saved, my friend. I want you to be saved. So when the gospel comes and permeates your heart and says the only way to salvation is put your faith in Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you better not run to your own efforts, to your own deeds, because we know that salvation is not uh, accomplished by keeping the law lest Christ died needlessly, Galatians 2.20. Or you can even go to Titus 3, 5. That reminds us that when the grace and mercy of God came, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Your works won't save you. You must repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your sin. You've broken the law of God, and the righteous judge will judge you, and you will be condemned to death and hell for eternity. Don't run away, my friends. Don't call evil good and good evil. Evil is evil and good is good, and God decides what's good, and God decides what's evil. It's our job to stand on that truth. Stand firm for the things of God. Jonah! <laughs> you see, he didn't want to see these people be saved, so he runs. Let's get to the heart of it. He wanted them to get what they deserved. How many of you this morning, honestly, in the, in the deepest segment of your heart, wants to see our government get what they deserve? You see, we've become the very thing God doesn't want us to be. We've become so political that we are just not biblical. God calls us to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies. Is there wickedness in the White House? Of course there is. There's always been wickedness in the White House because there's men in the White House. And we ought to be praying for the leaders, begging God to save their soul. But that's not what Jonah wanted. No, Jonah wanted to get, he wanted them to get what they deserved. He wasn't having no part in these people being forgiven by a gracious God. Something spoke to me. As I read this, because isn't there some joy in our hearts of 
pagans getting what they deserve. The murderer getting justice. Jonah wants nothing to do with this, and so he tries to flee from the presence of the Lord. But he should know that you can't get away from God. (laughs) Do you have any Jonas here today? Running, trying their hardest to flee conviction, direction, some even trying to flee correction. The old saying is, you can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. He is everywhere all at the same time. He ain't like the devil. No, he is omnipresent. In matter of fact, let's just get it narrow. For those who are in Christ, he is indwelt in you. <laughs> he is everywhere, my friend. And one day you will have to stop running because you will grow weary. And you will have to stand before the Lord. So why not stop now before it's too late? There's a better alternative, and that is to obey what he has commanded. Make sure you are prepared to obey. Listen, we must prepare to receive God's Word. Are are we reading? Are we allowing the Word of God to run through our hearts, our minds, so that we are ready and ready to read and ready to study and ready to hear? Memorizing the Word of God. Listen, we must prepare to listen to God's Word, not to confuse what God says. And, And so we must be willing to stand on what God says and follow whatever it is He's asked us to do, whatever it is He's asked me to, wherever He's asked me to be. Whatever it is you called me to, listen to him. But we must be prepared to obey. When the Lord has given his word, the words that have been written in his book, let us obey what he says, whatever the cost. There there is nothing in this world worth turning away from the words of God that we have received by grace, we need to obey them. Don't be like Jonah, running away. No, 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 turn back. Turn back. Stop. You, You can't do this alone. He wants you to come. He wants you to obey His Word. And for many of you, that is the first step you need to take in order to be saved. And that is today, my friend. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Jesus may burst through those clouds tonight. He might even burst through while I'm in the middle of preaching. And you might kill over while I'm preaching. You need to believe today. Now is the appropriate time, the Scripture says. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you shall be saved. You see, you have sinned. You've broken the law of God. You say, well, I've never, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're terrible. You ever stole anything? Then you're a thief. You ever lied? You're a liar. You ever looked at a woman or man with a lust in your heart? Then you're an adulterer. You've broken three of the Ten Commandments, and we got seven more to go. Not a good person. There is no such thing as a good person. We're all evil. We're all wicked. Our greatest deeds, the Scripture says, are filthy rags. The Bible says that there is none righteous. No, not one. In case you want to attack me as a, as a pastor, because I tell you you're wicked. Listen, if God didn't suppress your sin through the power of the Spirit of God, there is no limit to your sin. So you must call on Christ to forgive you. He is the bridge. He is the access. Every day I cross the broad river bridge to go to work, there is absolutely no way I'm getting across that river unless there is a bridge. And I want you to understand there is absolutely no way you are walking into the kingdom of heaven unless you cross the bridge that God has built, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name that's been given among men by which we must be saved. Yet for the grace of God, my friend, and it is by no accident, I promise you, today that you find yourself here in this little chat room. No, no, no. Today is the day of salvation. You need to believe while there is still time. 
Doesn't matter how bad your background is. Doesn't matter what kind of sin you had in your life. No, it, these that God was calling Jonah to were terrible people, but God wanted them to have an opportunity. And God wants you today to have an opportunity. And he has called me to come here and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to you and to tell you today is the day of salvation, that you need to repent of your sin. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he left heaven, that he became a man. He lived a perfect life. He had no sin. He was crucified for your sin, shed his blood, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. He was buried in the tomb, and three days later, he raised from the dead to grant you victory to grant you life eternal and then he raised uh, ascended to the right hand of the father where he intercedes on your behalf today you must have your faith in jesus christ his death his burial and his resurrection and then you can be saved stop running listen to god for he says all who are weary come to me and i will give you rest some of you have been running for years. Your shoes are wore out. Your legs are tired. You, you this morning, you, you are on the verge. You can't even go anymore. You're so, this, this fight has wore you down. Your armor, if you even have it on, is battered. And you need the rest that only God can offer. Believe and be saved. Don't be a runaway Christian. Turn to Christ. And for those that are in Christ, that are weary, refresh. Repent. Submit yourselves to the Lord. And let Him continue to guide you and direct you in the path for which you should go. There is much more in this passage that we just don't have time to deal with today, but we'll jump on it next week. And we'll talk about the fact that Jonah flees from the presence of God. He went down to Joppa. See how he keeps getting deeper and deeper. And we'll see that in reality, you could never run from the presence of God. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for each one here. And as we wrap this up with some Q&A, God, I pray that you will use this time for your glory. We ask these things in the precious, mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.